Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Hey, bow your heads with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Father, thank you for your grace that's in this house. Lord, we do everything that we know to do, and then when we come to that end, you do what we cannot do, and we thank you that you are here and you're doing that work. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch our hearts and our lives, our minds, help us to hear and have an understanding. Lord, give us ears that we can hear what your Holy Spirit is saying to us today, and we'll thank you for that in the good, strong name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Several years ago, I... Um, shared a story about the Sunshine Skyway Bridge in St. Pete. And that was when I said that we are for God in our city and that we were going to stand at the edge of a bridge that's gone out and we were going to wave a shirt so that people would be saved. And uh, we talked a lot about the bridge and a little bit about the shipwreck. Today I want to talk to you about the shipwreck. And I know that we're all facing things in life. If, if you're living and breathing, then there's stuff that's going on in your life. There is no one in this room that everything is perfect. Sometimes you go, man, now it's just perfect. Don't move. But as soon as you move, it's, there's something. And so today I want to talk to you about how to avoid a shipwreck. Has anybody ever been shipwrecked? You've had a relational, emotional, physical, financial, spiritual shipwreck at some point. Multiple, anybody, multiple, you're like, I need a new boat. <laughs> I need it. You're on like your ninth boat, you know. I want to talk to you about that, and I don't know if you remember this guy when we did talk about the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. Do you remember Richard Hornbuckle and that yellow Buick? I got a picture of that yellow Buick just sitting right there on the edge of the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. How would you like to be in that yellow Buick after a a big cargo ship hits the Skyway Bridge and it collapses out this massive span? Now, I want to tell you, this is the This is the first car that stopped because there were actually 35 souls that went over this bridge. And and let me tell you, this is a tall bridge. Has anybody ever been to the Sunshine Skyway Bridge? You've driven over it. I don't know how you feel about heights. I'm totally comfortable with heights. And uh, I've climbed on all kinds. In fact, I told you a few weeks ago that my dad's first day pastoring a church, I was 13 years old, and I went outside before service and climbed on the roof of the church. I don't know why I did that. I was 13 and I uh, got all the way, and I was out there with a new friend from the church, and he fell off the roof. So I had to come in and tell his uh, mom, you know, he broke his arm. That was not a good day in my life. <laughs> I think it was worse in my life than it was in his. <laughs> this is how I feel at heights. Um, I, I just ate at Dolphins, 34th floor, um, floor to ceiling glass, and you're looking out over Mobile Bay. And when I walk right up to the edge... This is how I feel. It feels to me like someone is unscrewing my belly button and my butt is going to fall off. That's what it feels like to me. Now, that's the best way that I can explain it, but does anybody have that feeling when you, you know what, you're like, I know what you're talking about. I don't know how to explain it, but it's crazy. Going over the Sunshine Skyway Bridge, it's so high, there's, there's no drawbridge because there's no ship in the world that can't go under this bridge without it. Uh, it, it doesn't need to, to lift up. And so you go up over it. 
it's a crazy feeling. The wind's up there really high. And so you can feel your car moving around. Let me tell you, going over that in a motorcycle, that's a feeling. Have you ever gone over a bridge that has like a graded metal um, span on it? And anybody ride motorcycles? I, I quit riding my motorcycle, or I sold my, I still ride, but I sold my motorcycle when Courtney turned two. I felt like I needed to be more responsible and careful. And uh, before I just pull out in front of cars, when I pulled out of the hospital with Courtney, I saw a speck of a car off in the horizon. I waited until he went. Anyway, so you go over these bridges, and on a motorcycle, you get in that groove, and it'll, like, move your motorcycle around. It'll kind of tell you where to go. This is a tall bridge. And on this day where Richard Hornbuckle stopped his car because someone was waving a shirt, took off their shirt and began to wave. Remember that message? Started waving the shirt, and he stopped. And he didn't perish. A Greyhound bus went over. A few other cars went over. But he was saved. Well, there's another man. His name is John Lara. He was uh, the 37-year-old pilot boat captain. I was just a kid. I was, you know, my mom worked in Tampa. We lived in Sarasota at the time. And she would drive that bridge every day. And so it was just kind of a, you know, a traumatic isn't the word, but it's memorable. I remember hearing about this because my mom had driven over that every single day. But John was piloting this huge cargo ship, and the weather was bad. And he couldn't see the bridge from a mile away. But, you know, you, when you're piloting a boat like that, you're not really driving like you are in a car. You know, you, your arm's not out the window, and you're looking through the windshield. Like, you know there are windows on the airplanes for the captains, right? But you know that there's, Bubba's not up there driving the plane, saying, hey, can you, what's around that next cloud? That's not how that's, there's navigation and there's the, the, com, the computers and the knobs. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Same thing in this boat. So he can't see the bridge from a mile away, but he can't even see the bow of his boat from where he's piloting the boat. The conditions were so bad. And there are a lot of other things that came into the mix and a lot of accusations that were made Bottom line, John Lara and this boat were about 800 yards out of the channel where they were supposed to be. And the conditions were bad. I mean, you, you can understand that if, if you, you can't see the bow of your ship, then you probably can't see the channel markers. You know, it's not like he was going, seeing the channel marker, he's like, red, right, return. You know, he's not trying to figure out which side of, of the pylon and the little sign that he's on to know if he's in the channel. He was outside of the channel. He didn't know where he was on the map. And there were a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons for it. One reason, wind was really bad and he didn't know exactly where the bridge was. He didn't know a lot of things. He was carrying no load in the ship. His ship was actually sitting 35 feet higher in the water than what it's supposed to. A lot of conditions going on. When he realized he was in trouble, he dropped the anchor. You'll see the boat and all the pictures. The boat is kind of turned sideways, and it's hitting the bridge. The people on the bridge said that it felt like an earthquake, but the people in the boat said it felt like a wet sock running into a bumper. It was a day that changed. The lives of 35 people, 35 people perished. Recently, John Lara passed. They say that he was the 36th victim of this shipwreck. Because, it, you know, it would, that's the kind of thing that would haunt you every day of your life. 
John Lara couldn't go into a convenience store without someone recognizing him or knowing who he is or, you know, I'm getting jobs. All of those things would be a very challenging thing. You know, I want you to avoid a shipwreck because, one, I care for you and the Lord cares for you. I don't want you to experience trauma. I don't want your ship to sink. I don't want you to drown. I don't want you to be injured. I don't want you to experience loss. But I also want to remind you of the Skyway Bridge and understand that not all shipwrecks affect only one person. In fact, this shipwreck affected 35 people. Your walk with Christ matters to the Lord, not just for your eternity, but for the eternity of everyone around you. I'm thankful today that in my family, on the Johnson side of my family, I'm so thankful that my little great-grandmother, who was tiny, got up one night and went down to a revival meeting, and she came to know Jesus. And I've I've told you before that my great-grandfather, who was very tall, and she was in charge, He was very tall. He went down because he was mad that she got saved at that revival. And then he came to know Jesus. And from that point in our family tree, our family looks totally different than what it looked like before. The shipwreck that you need to avoid, the hidden reef that you need to avoid, the bridge that you need to avoid, um, the other uh, ships, the other obstacles, the the, the waves, the weather, the things that you need to be able to navigate through, it's not just about you, but there are people depending on you and God has a purpose for your life. So it's the interest, best interest of the Lord and the best interest of you and the best interest of everyone around you that you're able to navigate your spiritual life, your physical life, your emotional life, your financial life in a way that brings honor to the Lord. How many of you believe that today? Is there anybody who say, Pastor, from this point on, I... I want to be able to navigate some of the things that I've repeatedly crashed into into my life, and I want the Lord to help me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want everybody to see that you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. I want you to be able to navigate these shipwrecks. Now, in the book of Jude, which is what this short sermon series is on, it's a one-chapter book, the next-to-last book in the Bible, I mean, literally, that's the whole book right there. It's not even a page and a half. Actually, look at this. If you take out all this white space here, you move it over, it's a single page, one side. That's your homework assignment today. Go home and read the book of Jude. I'm going to read a good bit of it to you today. But you're going to see in this passage that Jude, St. Jude, hey, Jude, right? Jude... (laughs) Jude gives us a word picture that we can look at our life and we can have some understanding. He's not the only one that does this. James did it. The apostle Paul did it. Jesus did it. Paul, as he was running his race, he said, you know, I've run my race. And he wasn't really a runner. He was saying, I'm coming to the end of my race. I know he wasn't a runner, at least not when he was writing this, because at this point, Philip, he had been beaten He had been whipped, he had been imprisoned, he had been stoned outside of the city gates and left for dead multiple times. There's a passage that lays out all of the beatings he had taken. You know what, I guarantee you, he was not a runner. His body had been racked with pain and 
you know, I just, I have noticed now when I get up, you know, I, I blew my left knee out really good playing ball. And now, you know, I feel like I, I pretty much push with my, my right leg because it feels funny in there, you know. They, I want, they say it's scar tissue or calcium deposits. Old people call it arthritis, but I, I think it's just like some scar tissue. And Paul was saying, man, I, I've done everything I know to do. I've been faithful to the Lord, and I want to finish thing, this thing. So you, you lay aside everything that so easily entangles you and run the race that God set before you. He talks like that. Jesus tells parables like the parable of the talents, the parable of the seed and the sower, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep. In fact, last week I saw somebody wearing a T-shirt that said, I'm the one he left the 99 for. And in Jude, in this passage, talks about people whose faith is shipwrecked. For some, it's the people that are on the bridge, the 35 souls that were minding their business, going from Sarasota, Bradenton, Palmetto, over to St. Pete, Tampa, trying to go a little quicker by cutting across the bay. And for some, it's like John Lara, who actually shipwrecked and, and, and was like a hidden reef for these people that didn't do anything to deserve that, that day. And Jude writes this. Here's what he says in Jude chapter 1. You could just say Jude and then the verse. So we'll start Jude verse 1. And Jude, I want you to hear this. Jude is Jesus' little brother. Jude is a half-brother of Jesus. James is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, just let me give you a little kind of set up for how our faith works is that Jesus was born of a virgin, but James and Jude were not. Because after Jesus was born and after Joseph and Mary were married, then they had babies the old-fashioned way. They got pregnant like everybody in this room got pregnant. Um, but not Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin. She was a virgin until after that moment, then she and Joseph began that normal way of life. Listen to what Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, the biological child of Joseph and Mary, whereas Jesus was the biological child of only Mary. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jude says. This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and, and a brother of James. Now, didn't I just say that Jude was the brother of Jesus? Have you ever tried to get into a restaurant that you can't get into, and you say, well, I, I know the manager? Or, um, you know, sometimes a $20 bill. I think inflation, it's a little bit more than that. But a ball game, a ball game. Anybody been trying to get Alabama season tickets? or Auburn season tickets. You know, Auburn got a game this week like Alabama got a game last week. I don't even know what that mess was yesterday that Auburn was in. It's crazy. People trying to get a ticket, maybe to the Sugar Bowl or the Cotton Bowl or the, a championship game and the tickets, you just can't get your hands on a ticket. But if you know a guy, have you noticed, you can get in, if you know a guy, you can get into just about anything. Do you notice that Jude does not name drop the fact that he's Jesus' brother? He said, now I'm James, brother, but he says, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. 
Let me tell you, some of you need that revelation today. Some of you need, listen, I thank God that I am a friend of Jesus and, and, and I have a friend in Jesus Christ. He is my friend. You know, that's how Jesus came to us. The Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14 of John chapter one says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or in the message translation, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. You know, when Jesus speaks to me, he speaks my language. He speaks my culture. He, he, this was the incredible thing that God did for us, is that the incarnation, God came to us in a way that we could comprehend and understand. And, and I know that right now there are a lot of people like, well, this is, this is relationship, not religion. I'm not into religion. I'm into relationship. Yes, that is true. But listen, we also have a holy God we also have a King Jesus, and yes, thank God for this horizontal relationship that we have in Jesus Christ, but you better know there is a vertical relationship where he's the creator and we're the creation. You know, he's the father, and, and Jesus is the only begotten son, and I'm adopted in the family. How many of you love Jesus today? You're born again. You're saved. How many of you? Raise your hand. You're my adopted brother, and we're, Jesus is our, is our elder brother. You know, we're in the family, but there is a Father in heaven who will judge us based on what we have done and based on whether or not we've accepted Christ and we've been saved. It's not just a horizontal friendship. Jude says, yes, I'm a brother of James, but Jesus is my Lord. I have submitted myself to him. I am his servant. Pathway Church, we need to get a revelation for the holiness of God. We need to get a revelation to understand that Jesus is king, he's in charge, and we follow him. Come on, somebody, do you, do you hear my heart today? Do you, do you hear, the whole world is, it's crazy. Have you noticed that the things that are holy now are considered profane, and the things that are profane now are considered holy? Have you noticed that? And if you don't do it, then you'll get canceled, you'll get censored. I just saw that Mark, Pastor Mark Driscoll just got banned from TikTok for saying that a man can't have a baby. Is that, that's crazy talk. You know, Mark Driscoll, Driscoll, he's like a trucker, a little trucker. You know, how? Listen, it doesn't matter what the culture tells you. It doesn't matter what you tell you. It doesn't matter what everybody wants to believe. There is a truth, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Amen. So Jude sets this up. He says, listen. You don't have, this, this is the talk that my dad would have to, son, you don't have to do what I say. You can go do whatever you want. But as long as you live under this roof, you know the rest. Yes. <laughs> Always mess me up. You sit at my table, eat my food. Breathe my air. It's not your air, man. It just snuck in when you opened the door. <laughs> Jude is saying, we've forgotten the God that has set us free. And we have changed the Bible to suit our needs. Listen to what he says. I'm writing to all who have been called by God, the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the, Lord, in the care of Jesus. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. Here's what he's saying. I really wanted to do my best Joel Osteen sermon. I plan to come and be nice and happy. I want you to have your best life now. 
but now I got to come down there. He says, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all time to his holy people. You know, I, I want to take ground. I don't like to do the defending. I want to take ground. I'm always, let's get, I'll never forget when we had about 75 people in the church and we were expanding, we're doing something else. I mean, I felt like, man, it felt like a mega church. We started out with 27, then we had 75. I told Kelly something that we were going to do and we were all tired. We were both working outside the church and all of that. And she said, well, when is enough enough? I said, well, I mean, it's never. We got more ground to take. You know, and there's that thing inside, when is it going to be, you, you want to take ground. You don't want to step back and defend what you've already taken. That's Judas saying, hey, we can't even take new ground because some things that are happening in the church are a real problem. He said, so I've got to come defend the faith. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you, though, you already know these things. I can't believe I have to tell you again. That Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority. God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. He's saying even the angels, even the angels that subvert the authority of God, God deals with them. And don't forget about Sodom and Gomorrah. So he goes from the angels, the spirits, and he goes on over into people. Don't forget about Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. Let me tell you something really quickly. For those of us that think that we can pick and choose from, from this book what we can believe, let me tell you, you are at war with God. You are in rebellion to God. You are blaspheming God. Well, pastor, I didn't really come for this message. No, I know. I didn't want to give this message either. But because I love you and because the Lord loves us, you know what? We're going to do what you did. We're going to say, hey, please, remember, remember this book. He said, in the same way these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body, but these people scoff at these things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. Hey, just do whatever makes you happy. Where have you heard that lately? Is that a little spooky? Just a little bit. And so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them, for they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money, and like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. Verse 12, when these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, it's talking about communion. Remember also how Paul said to examine yourself and not to receive communion unworthily because you drink judgment upon you. Jude's saying the same thing here. Now you're bringing these people in and you know that these people, let me tell you, I, I have done baptisms before where 
someone was being baptized that I knew was living outside of God's will and they were not following Jesus. And it is the most uncomfortable conversation. And I never want to embarrass anybody, but I have pulled people aside. I've never had to do it in front of people, but I've had to do it in the service when no one was looking and find something out and say, hey, listen, you know what? Let's talk a little bit more about what baptism is. Let's wait. Let's not do that today. There's some things that we should talk about. And then I can have those conversations a little bit later. But this is why, because God is holy and he's called us to be holy as he's holy. He says, these people, these people who claim Christ, who profess Jesus with their mouth, but then live totally opposite, these people are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. I want to stop just right there. And I want to tell you a couple things that I've observed, and I'm going to tell you how to and just close right here. I'm going to tell you how to avoid a shipwreck. But here's one thing that I've noticed, is that it's important for us to have good theology. It's, it's important for us to understand the word of God. But I have watched as one or two or three charismatic people, charismatic influential people, will compromise their own faith in how they live, even though one thing is being preached. And that one decision that life that they're living that is dissonant with the word that's preached will lead a bunch of people astray. I've seen it. This is how, this is how whole churches are lost. And these people can be right here in this church. These people can be you and they can be me. And so I want to encourage you today to avoid the shipwreck and avoid shipwrecking people. I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about John Lara but I'm also concerned about the 35 people up on the bridge. If you're a small group leader, trust in Jesus and follow Jesus. You know, if you're on this stage and you're leading us in worship, examine your life. Your life matters. If you're preaching behind this desk, you know, make sure that you're standing on this word. And you're never going to be perfect, but submit yourself to the word of God and to the people of God and let God do a good thing. And God will bless the church. Don't you believe that today? Can we honor him? Okay, let me give you really quickly the six steps that I got for you on how to avoid a shipwreck. Number one, know your conditions. Know your conditions. Say that with me. Know your conditions. Number one, you got to, before you go out on the boat, check the waves. Has anybody out been in like 10 foot seas? Because you definitely don't want to be there. Two foot and under is really great. Know your conditions. Number two, stay in the channel. Stay in the channel. This summer, we took the boat down to the Keys, and we went and played, and we were having a blast. And man, I was flying across Florida Bay. We were moving, and then I noticed the water was brown. And, you know, when it's brown, you run aground. That's, that's what you got to remind yourself. And, 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 and then I was like, I can't slow down, because if I slow down, I'm going to sit on it. I just had to keep. I had to keep on moving. I was out of the channel. John Lara was out of the channel. Shipwreck. Number three, travel with a load. So many of us are like, I just want to get out from underneath this pressure. I want to get out from underneath this stress. You will never live a stress-free life. Don't even try. What you want to do is you want to ask God to make you strong. 
You want, you want to ask the Lord to help you carry the load that he's called you to carry, that family, that job, the calling, the ministry. Is God place a burden on your heart? He might have put it there so you'll do something about it. Number four, maintain fuel. It's your prayer life. It's your, it's, it's your reading of the word. I'll tell you, for me, <clears throat> Sunday morning is just awesome. I want to worship. I apologize, Ben, if I threw you off with my singing, you know. I asked Zach not to put any crowd feedback mics anywhere near where I sit. If you ever want to have a private conversation with somebody, don't do it over on the sides because there's microphones over there. When I step into this place and we're worshiping, I'll tell you what, I'm ready to go back out and fight again. I listen to Christian music. I love it. I love to get some Maverick City worship, you know. I love the Hillsong. There's some Johnny Cash songs that I really like that just really touch my heart and kind of refuel me. But there's nothing like being with my brothers and sisters together. Did you feel, did you feel that today at one point, like we we're singing along, and then it's like a wave started building a little bit? Maybe you got that there at Foley or? South Haven Airport. It's just awesome. And also because I know some of the people sitting around me and I know some of the storms people are going through. Sometime I'll see a crippled little old lady lift her hands up to the Lord. And I'm like, now that's some worship. There's some memories, there's some, some pain, some difficulty that you're having to break through. Aren't you thankful that there's a God that'll meet us? Maintain your fuel. When the doors are open to the church, come on in. Come on in. There's nothing more important. Be here. Maintain that fuel. Don't let the fire go out. Number five, trust your chart. Trust your chart. The word of God is trustworthy and it's true. And when you can't see, let me tell you where you can go. My friend, when I was a kid, he was an older man. He was in a recovery home that would be a part of our church. His name was Arthur. Arthur had been in prison, had a really rough life. I'll never forget one day I was in the grocery store with Arthur and this woman was beating her kid, little kid, little kid, right in the aisle. And it like triggered Arthur. And Arthur went and said, don't lay a hand on that kid like that because he will turn out like I've turned out. Arthur, my friend, who had gone through so much, he told me, he said, you know, Travis, the Bible, is the B-I-B-L-E, it stands for basic instruction before leaving earth. That's good. This is your chart. You can trust the chart. And then finally, when you don't know what to do, you don't know where you are, the conditions are too rough, when everything is out of control, use your radio. Use your radio. I don't like doing that stuff. That's the part I don't like. I don't like to tell people I don't know where I am. I don't like to tell people I don't know what to do right at this moment. You know why? Because I want to be competent and express competency for my family and for my church and for my friends. And so sometimes you walk into strange places not knowing where to go, but you have to act like you know what you're doing. Usually what the Lord will do is he'll make it obvious what you're supposed to do next. You know, that's called courage. You step out and then God begins to work. 
but sometimes there's no courage to be found because you don't know where to go. And when you don't know where to go, pick up the radio. And you pick up the radio and you ask for help. You know what? A voice will come back and say, son, I can help you. You know why? No, but why am I not hearing the Lord talk on the radio? Because you hadn't let him know that you're interested in talking. Maybe it's time to open up your heart and open up your voice. Open up your life to the Lord and say, God, I need direction right now. I need you. I'm just going to handle this. Stop trying to handle everything. There's some things that you cannot fix in life. They cannot be fixed by you. Now, do what you know to do. Do what you know to do. You know, if you know what to do, you better do it. And don't trust in God to do what you ought to be doing yourself. But when you come to the place where you have no more energy, no more money, no more joy, no more friendships, no more opportunities, what do you do? That's when you go to the Lord. That's when you trust in the Lord. Pathway Church, let's talk to the Lord some more. Let's have a conversation with Jesus. And here's what will happen. If you're lost and confused and the conditions are overwhelming you, if you'll talk to him, he'll talk to you back. And he'll say, listen, you're off course just a little bit. You're out of the channel. Swing back over just a, to, to your west, just about 800 yards. Everything's going to be fine. Just listen to my voice. I'll talk you right on in. And John Lehrer's day would have been a lot different. And your day could be a lot different. Your life can be a lot different. It's time for us to trust God's plan. He'll keep us out of that harm's way. And we'll all, if we'll listen to him, we'll all make heaven our home. And is the best part. We'll bring some folks with us. Amen. Is that who you want to be? Is that the Lord that you need today? Amen. Is there anybody here today that just says, at all of our campuses right now, you say, Pastor, you're talking to me today. I've got some conditions going on in my life and I just need the Lord to give me some direction. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand right now? It's, it's good. It's encouraging. It's encouraging. We've got some, we've got some friends in our church facing big stuff today. I just want to share this with you. It's a little bit off topic, but it's kind of in the same zone. I want you to be praying for them. We have two Coast Guard families that are being taken out of military service because they didn't take the COVID vaccine. And on October 8th, they will no longer have their jobs after, you know, a decade and a half of service to the Coast Guard. That's tough. You know, how many of you know that God can touch and minister to them? You know that? I know. And God can minister to each one of us today. I think the deeper thing is that in our faith, we've given God place in our lives. That our walk with Christ is strong and secure and we're following God's word today. This is my prayer also. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now, if you would just give everybody a little bit of privacy. I'm gonna be looking, I'm gonna pray for you. You say, Pastor, you are now definitely talking to me. I am not in contact with the Lord. I'm not in relationship with the Lord. I am following some other plan. I need to right the ship today. I want God to bring me on course. I want to be made right with him. If that's you today, right now, right where you are, slip up your hand really quickly right now. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Up in the balcony. I can't see it too good. Just slip up your hand. Amen. God bless you. Amen. I want to pray for you right now. Thank you for your presence in this house today, Lord. Thank you that you're at work inside of each one of us. And Father, thank you that your word, according to your promise, 
is it will not return void. I pray, Father, that your word would go out and grab a hold of someone's heart today. Their lives would be changed. You'd minister to families, minister to individuals today. There's a shipwreck coming. But Father, by your good hand, you'll preserve. There's a shipwreck that has happened. And Father, by your good hand, you will minister. We ask you to do that right now, Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you. Now for my friends today, Lord, that want to place their trust in you, Father, we say thanks. We, I pray that you would minister to them and you would save them, you would forgive them. Father, you would sanctify them. And Father, you bring them all the way to the finish line so that they would hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray that you take them through the storms of life so that they can finish well. I pray that you minister to them. All over this house, let's pray this prayer of confession today in solidarity with our friends who are becoming brothers and sisters right now. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus that he would die and be resurrected for me. I recognize who I am what I've done. I'm broken and I need you. I declare you're my king and my God. I confess my sins to you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Make me whole in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.